this lecture, we shall discuss amendment of the constitution and we will discuss the doctrine of basic structure. 1973 was an eventful year in the history of independent India. It was in the year 1973 that Mysore was renamed as Karnataka. The current day Karnataka was known as Mysore till 1973 and in 1973 Mysore was renamed as Karnataka. 1973 was the year in which efforts were made to save India's national animal. Project Tiger was launched in the year 1973. 1973 was the year in which Bollywood gave India its first chocolate hero. Rishi Kapoor made his debut in the movie Bobby. But particularly significant is the date, 24th April, 1973. It was on this day, Sachin Ramesh Tendulkar was born, the man who saved India's cricket. And it was on this day, Keshavananda Bharti judgment was delivered by the Supreme Court, the case that saved India's democracy. So in this lecture, we will talk about amendment to the constitution the Keshavaranda Bharti judgment and it was in this judgment that Supreme Court pronounced the doctrine of basic structure. But first up, what do we mean by amendment to the constitution? Adding an article to the constitution is an amendment. Deleting an article from the constitution is an amendment. Rewording various articles in the constitution is an amendment. That means making any change to the constitution is an amendment to the constitution. And this power is given to the parliament of this country. Parliament has the power to amend the constitution of India. That means parliament has the power to make any change to the constitution of this country. But the real question is, what is the need for an amendment to the constitution? Now what is the constitution after all? Constitution is the document of people's aspirations. But these aspirations are never static. Aspirations change. What were the aspirations of the people of this country in 1950? They may not be the aspirations of the people of this country in 2020. That means aspirations keep on changing. If aspirations keep on changing, then the constitution should also change. Because constitution is the document of people's aspirations. As the aspirations of the people change, so should the constitution of this country. That is what the first Prime Minister of India, Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru said. He said that constitution should not be so rigid that it cannot be adapted to the changing needs of national development and strength. That means any popular demand for changing the system should be capable of realization. If constitution is the document of people's aspirations, we should change this document as per the requirements of the time, as per the requirements of the society, as per the needs and the aspirations of the people of this country. That is what Pandit Nehru said. But what about B.R. Ambedkar, the architect of our constitution? B.R. Ambedkar said, I do know that not everybody would be satisfied with the constitution I have drafted. That means there will be many who will be dissatisfied with our constitution. But you don't have to worry. If you are dissatisfied with this constitution, all you need to do, get two-third majority in the parliament and change the constitution. That means this parliament consists of the representatives of the people of this country. We have universal adult franchise. Every single individual above the age of 18 has the right to vote. 
That means the people of this country have exercised their right to vote and have elected members to the parliament. If you are dissatisfied with the constitution, all you need to do, get two-third majority in the parliament and change the constitution. And if you cannot get two-third majority in the parliament to change the constitution, then I can assume that only you are dissatisfied with the constitution. Your dissatisfaction shall not be deemed to be shared by the larger public. That means if you are dissatisfied with the constitution, this constitution will not remain static, will not remain rigid. You can change the constitution by two-third majority in the parliament. Get special majority and change the constitution. But to understand this in great detail, let me take you back to 1951. Two pet legislations of Pandit Nehru, Zamindari Abolition Act and the Land Reforms Act, were declared as unconstitutional by the judiciary in 1951. Judiciary said that you are trying to give effect to directive principles of state policy, but in the process you are violating fundamental rights. Since directive principles are inferior than fundamental rights, we have to give primacy to fundamental rights. That is why your two legislations are unconstitutional because they violate fundamental rights. Then how did the parliament react? Parliament amended the constitution, added article 31A, 31B to the constitution, added ninth schedule to the constitution. So all these laws which are placed in ninth schedule, there can be no judicial review for that. That's what parliament said in 1951. And these amendments were challenged in the Supreme Court in Shankari Prasad Deo versus Union of India 1951. Can Parliament make these changes to the Constitution? Is it constitutional or unconstitutional to make these changes to the chapter of fundamental rights? That was the question before the Supreme Court in the year 1951. And Supreme Court gave a verdict. Supreme Court said all these changes are constitutional. That means Parliament has the power to amend the Constitution. And what Parliament has done? It has amended the Constitution by bringing in a constitutional amendment bill. This constitutional amendment bill was passed by both houses of the Indian parliament. It was sent to the president for approval. President signed on this bill and parliament amended the constitution. Since parliament has the power to amend the constitution, that is why both these amendments, both these changes to the Indian constitution are constitutional. But the petitioners argued that dear Supreme Court, what about article 13? Article 13, Clause 2 clearly talks about that Parliament does not have the power to pass a law and through this law, Parliament cannot delete a fundamental right. Parliament cannot abridge a fundamental right. And the law has been explained in Article 13, Clause 3. Law means rules, acts, ordinances, bylaws, notifications, customs, so on and so forth. Supreme Court said, yes, we know that. But law does not include an amendment to the constitution under article 368. That means when article 13 clause 2 talks about that parliament cannot pass a law and through this law parliament cannot delete a fundamental right, parliament cannot abridge a fundamental right. But now what parliament has done? It has passed a law, first constitutional amendment act in the year 1951. Two articles were added, 31A, 31B. And it has abridged fundamental rights under Article 14, 19 and 31.
Supreme Court said, yes, we know this, but law does not include a Constitutional Amendment Act. That means by amending the Constitution, if you are passing a bill to amend the Constitution under Article 368, you can make any changes to the Constitution. Law does not include the Constitutional Amendment Act passed by the Parliament under Article 368 of the Indian Constitution. That means if you are making changes to fundamental rights by an ordinary law, by an ordinance, by a notification, by a regulation, by a custom, by a usage, that is not the power available. Parliament has the power to amend the constitution under Article 368 of the Indian Constitution and Parliament can make any change to the constitution of this country. This was 1951. But then in 1967... Supreme Court reversed its earlier judgment, completely reversing the judgment given in Shankari Prasad case in 1967 in Golaknath v. State of Punjab. An 11-judge bench of the Supreme Court said that fundamental rights are beyond the amendatory powers of the parliament. That means fundamental rights cannot be amended by the parliament because Article 13, Clause 3, when it talks about the various definitions of law, Law includes act, rules, regulations, ordinances. This act includes a constitutional amendment act. That means even by amending the constitution, even by passing a constitutional amendment act, even then parliament does not have the power to amend fundamental rights. That means complete reversal of the situation. In 1951, Supreme Court said Parliament has the power to make any changes to the Constitution if Article 368 is employed. If a constitutional amendment bill is passed by the Parliament, Parliament can make any changes to the Constitution. And come down to 1967, Supreme Court said Article 368 also cannot amend the fundamental rights chapter under the constitution because fundamental rights are beyond the amendatory powers of the parliament. But then the Supreme Court was asked, their Supreme Court, Article 368 talks about procedure to amend the constitution. If Article 368 talks about procedure to amend the constitution, that means parliament has the power to amend the constitution. Supreme Court said no. Article 368, if you look at the title of Article 368, it only talks about procedure for an amendment. It does not talk about the power of the parliament to amend the constitution. The government lawyers asked the Supreme Court, the dear Supreme Court, if procedure is mentioned under Article 368, is this procedure not for the parliament? That means clearly it is the procedure mentioned for the parliament. That means parliament should use these procedures mentioned under article 368 and amend the constitution. Supreme Court said no. Article 368 only talks about procedure for an amendment. It does not talk about power of the parliament to amend the constitution. Then the government lawyers asked the Supreme Court. Then this procedure is mentioned for whom? Supreme Court said we don't know. Maybe you can set up. A constituent assembly, maybe you should convene a constituent assembly. This constituent assembly should follow the procedures mentioned under Article 368 to amend the constitution. Parliament does not have the power to amend the fundamental rights chapter. That means what are we talking about? Amendment to the constitution. What is amendment to the constitution? We know it. 
what is the need to amend the constitution we know it but what is the history of amendment to the constitution 1951 shankari prasad deo versus union of india supreme court said if parliament enacts a constitutional amendment act under article 368 of the indian constitution parliament can make any changes to the constitution and the definition of law under article 13 clause 3 does not include a constitutional amendment act that means only by passing a constitutional amendment act can you make any changes to the constitution come down to 1967 golaknath versus state of punjab supreme court said fundamental rights are beyond the mandatory powers of the parliament even by passing a constitutional amendment act you cannot amend the fundamental rights you cannot abridge the fundamental rights you cannot delete the fundamental rights because article 368 only talks about procedure for amendment it does not confer power on the parliament to amend the constitution then who is this procedure mentioned for this procedure supreme court suggested is mentioned for a constituent assembly you set up another constituent assembly this new constituent assembly should follow the procedure mentioned under article 368 and amend the constitution of this country as of now parliament does not have the power to amend the constitution and supreme court said the definition of law mentioned under article 13 clause 3 includes a constitutional amendment act that means even by passing a constitutional amendment act no changes can be made to fundamental rights chapter but then what happened even further amendments were made to the constitution of this country how 24th amendment 1971 the parliament amended article 13 of the indian constitution added article 13 clause 4 This article 13 clause 4 explicitly mentioned that the definition of law does not include a constitutional amendment act that means if article 13 clause 2 talks about that parliament cannot pass a law and through this law parliament cannot delete a fundamental right or abridge a fundamental right an exception has been provided under article 13 clause 4 and what is this exception except under constitutional amendment act under article 368 that means yes parliament cannot abridge a fundamental right delete a fundamental right but only if parliament passes a law under article 368 parliament can make these changes by an ordinary law by an ordinance by a notification no changes can be made to the constitution another clause was added to article 368 which said nothing in article 13 shall apply to an amendment made under this article under the article 368 what does this mean in article 13 13 clause 2 says parliament cannot by law delete a fundamental right or abridge a fundamental right this will not apply to an amendment made under article 368 that means to make it even simpler this amendment makes it clear that if parliament passes a constitutional amendment act this act can make any changes to the constitution including fundamental rights but then someone told the government ministers at that point in time that in 1967 in golaknath case supreme court said that article 368 only talks about procedure for amendment it does not confer power on the parliament to amend the constitution what parliament did it changed the title of article 368 as well the change in article 368 said 
substitute procedure for an amendment of the constitution with power of the parliament to amend the constitution and the procedure thereof. That means now article 368 title explicitly talks about power of the parliament to amend the constitution and this is the procedure. So this was 24th constitutional amendment act 1971. Another change in 1971. 25th constitutional amendment act. What was done in this amendment? Article 31 capital C was added. This we have discussed in directive principles. So article 31 capital C says that if parliament frames a law under article 39B and 39C, these two are directive principles. And through this law, even if there is a violation of article 14, 19 and 31, even then this law should not be declared unconstitutional. That means through this 31C, what parliament tried to do? It tried to give primacy to two directive principles over three fundamental rights, 14, 19, 31. That means now again, fundamental rights have been abridged. Now again, fundamental rights have been amended. Now again, a constitutional amendment act has been passed to amend the constitution, to amend the chapter of fundamental rights. Another change, 26th constitutional amendment act was passed, Privy Purses was abolished. What is this Privy Purse? More than 560 princely states in India, they were given an option that you can either join India or you can join Pakistan or you can stay independent. Sardar Vallabhai Patel is known as the man of unity. What he did, he persuaded these rulers of the princely states, convinced them that all you have to do, give up your sovereignty. Whatever resources you have, whatever property you have, whether you have gold, diamonds, pearls, vintage cars, your bungalows, your havelis, your property, everything will be yours. But all you have to do, you have to give up on your sovereignty. You have to give up on your sovereignty. You have to merge with the Union of India. And on top of that, we will give you a privy purse. We will give you an assured sum of money every year. And this number varied depending upon the revenue of a particular princely state. That means, let's say, for example, for Nizam of Hyderabad, the privy purse was 73 lakhs a year. For the ruler of Kakodia, this number was 173 rupees an annum. That means this privy purse varied depending upon the revenue of a princely state. But all these princely states, all these rulers of the princely states, what they were offered, you retain all the resources that you have, all the property that you have. And on top of that, we will give you a privy purse. We will give you an assured sum of money every year. But all you have to do, you have to give up on your sovereignty. And Sardar Patel promised them this privy purse by incorporating Article 291 in the Indian Constitution. But what 26th Amendment did? 26th Amendment deleted Article 291 of the Indian Constitution, removed or abolished privy purse in 1971. And then something else happened, this time in Kerala. In Kerala, the state legislature passed a law and this law authorized the state government that you can acquire any property. Even if this property belongs to a religious institution, you can keep the property of a religious institution under check as well. 
you can control the management of this religious institution as well but then the kerala government was told was given a legal advice that you can't do this because there is a golaknath judgment in 1967 and this judgment prohibits the legislature to snatch fundamental rights of the citizens so if you're snatching article 26 of the indian constitution because article 26 gives all religious denominations a fundamental right to establish manage and administer their religious institutions you cannot snatch this fundamental right the kerala government then requested the parliament their parliament can you please place this kerala land reforms act under the ninth schedule of the indian constitution so that if it is placed under ninth schedule of the indian constitution there can be no judicial review about this law and then 29th amendment act was passed in the year 1972 and this kerala land reforms act was added to the ninth schedule of the indian constitution all these amendments whether it is 24th amendment 25th amendment 26th amendment 29th amendment all these amendments made significant changes to the constitution made significant changes to the fundamental rights chapter mentioned in the indian constitution despite the fact that in golaknath case the supreme court unequivocally said you don't have the power to amend fundamental rights fundamental rights are beyond the amendatory powers of the parliament and all these amendments were challenged in the supreme court but the first challenge came from keshavananda bharti a young head of a math in kasargod district in kerala keshavananda bharti was 21 year old and he decided to file a case in the supreme court challenging the kerala land reforms act challenging this law because it violates fundamental rights originally keshavananda bharti thought that i will file this case under article 21 of the indian constitution but then n palkhiwala persuaded keshavananda bharti that we should file this petition under article 26 of the indian constitution because article 26 gives every religious denomination a fundamental right to establish manage and administer religious institutions since this article 26 is violated by this kerala land reforms act we should challenge this in the supreme court under article 26 of the indian constitution this was the first challenge to this amendment then many others also challenged these amendments made to the indian constitution for example someone like madhavrao sindhya who challenged the abolition of privy purse he filed a petition in the supreme court challenging the 26th amendment to the indian constitution there were sugar firms coal firms which challenged some of these amendments made to the indian constitution because these amendments violated fundamental rights of the indian citizens but then the supreme court said that all these challenges to these constitutional amendments whether it is 24th amendment whether it is 25th amendment 26th amendment 29th amendment all these challenges to these constitutional amendments they raise one single question and what is that question is the power of the parliament supreme that it can amend any provision of the constitution is the power of the parliament so absolute that it can make changes anywhere in the indian constitution including fundamental rights and let's club all these petitions together so many different sections of the people filed different petitions in the supreme court 
Someone challenged 24th Amendment. Someone challenged 25th Amendment. Someone challenged 26th Amendment. Keshavananda Bharati challenged 29th Amendment. Supreme Court said all these challenges point to a one single question. And let's club all these petitions together. Since Keshavananda Bharati was the first one to challenge, was the first one to approach the Supreme Court, we will call this case Keshavananda Bharati versus State of Kerala 1973. And this was the landmark case in the history of independent India. This case was heard by a largest judge bench ever constituted in the history of independent India. 13 judges. This case was heard for the record number of 68 days. This makes this the longest ever running case in the history of independent India. The second longest running case was the Aadhaar. The Aadhaar judgment of the Supreme Court. This case when it was heard, when various lawyers petitioned the Supreme Court, gave their arguments before the Supreme Court, the then Attorney General of India made a comparative analysis of the constitution of 71 countries explaining the amendment procedure of 71 countries of this world and the judgment was in 703 pages so this was the landmark case in the history of independent India heard by highest number of judges 13 ran for longest number of times or days 68 days the then Attorney General of India made the comparative analysis of the 71 constitutions of the world and this judgment ran in 703 pages. And the fundamental question before the court was, is the power of the parliament supreme that it can amend any provision of the constitution? If we look at the original constitution and if we analyze the original constitution, there was no restriction on the power of the parliament to amend the constitution. That means if we plainly read the constitution, on a plain reading of the constitution, there is no restriction on the power of the parliament to amend the constitution. That means there is no such rule where the constitution says parliament cannot make these changes, parliament should resist from making these changes, parliament should desist from making these changes. There is absolutely no restriction on the power of the parliament to amend the constitution. That means on the plain reading of the constitution, there is no restriction on the power of the parliament to amend the constitution. But what Keshavananda Bharti said, yes, parliament has the power to amend the constitution. Yes, parliament can amend even fundamental rights. But parliament cannot make one change that it cannot destroy the basic structure of Indian constitution. And what is this basic structure? Let me tell you in a layman's language what basic structure I have understood from. Let's say, for example, this is a building. Can you change the color of this building? Yes. Can you change the ACs of this building? Yes. Can you change the lighting of this building? Yes. You can make any changes to this building. Clear? Please go ahead. But can you change the foundation of this building? Yes, you can change even the foundation of this building. That means destroy the building and come up with another building. But if you change the foundation of this building, that means this building won't remain the same. It would be a different building. Similarly, remove building, replace it with the constitution. Can you make any changes to the constitution? Yes. But can you change the foundation of this constitution? If you change the foundation of this constitution, then it won't be the same constitution. It would be something else. 
that means this is what basic structure is there are certain basic features or fundamental features present in our constitution don't touch them if you touch them then our constitution will lose its significance apart from these basic structures you can make any changes to any provision of the constitution that is what supreme court meant when it said yes power of the parliament to amend the constitution is there yes parliament alone can amend the constitution but parliament can amend any provision of the constitution except basic structure save basic structure except this make changes anywhere in the constitution but this judgment was pronounced by a wafer thin majority seven judges of the supreme court said power of the parliament to amend the constitution is supreme but you don't have the power to amend or delete or snatch the basic structure of indian constitution but few facts justice mudolkar basically the doctrine of basic structure was first mentioned by justice mudolkar 8 years before the keshavananda bharti judgment and this was not the original idea of justice mudolkar as well justice mudolkar was referring to a 1963 judgment of the pakistan supreme court the then chief justice of the pakistan supreme court justice cornelis yes pakistan had a christian chief justice later on a hindu judge as well justice cornelis in 1963 said that president of pakistan does not have the power to alter to change the fundamental features of our constitution this was referred to by justice mudolkar 8 years before the keshavananda bharti judgment but this basic structure doctrine was explained in this keshavananda bharti judgment wherein the seven judge of the supreme court or the majority verdict in the supreme court said power of the parliament to amend the constitution is there but power of the parliament to amend the basic structure is not that means parliament can amend any provisions of the constitution except basic structure and towards the end of this lecture i will give you the list of what is mentioned in this basic structure what exactly do we mean by basic structure but now let's analyze this judgment there are some people who say that this basic structure doctrine or keshavananda bharti judgment is a classic case of judicial overreach that means when we look at the original constitution supreme court is the interpreter of the constitution supreme court is the guardian of the constitution supreme court is the protector of the constitution supreme court has to protect what is mentioned in the constitution and the constitution original constitution of 1915 never ever talked about something called basic structure so how can judiciary in 1973 come up with this doctrine of basic structure and restrict the power of the parliament to amend the constitution because what did br ambedkar say if you are dissatisfied with this constitution get two third majority in the parliament and change the constitution br ambedkar did not say that you can change the constitution but don't touch the basic structure basic structure is not mentioned anywhere in the constitution so this is the classic case of judicial overreach but then there are others who say keshavananda bharti judgment is a judgment that saved india's democracy how to explain this we have to cite two examples 39th amendment to the indian constitution and 41st amendment to the indian constitution to understand this let me give you a brief background 
Indira Gandhi was the Prime Minister. When she contested Lok Sabha elections, her opponent was Raj Narayan. Raj Narayan lost, Indira Gandhi won, Raj Narayan filed a case before the court. Allahabad High Court was told that Indira Gandhi has misused the government machinery. Indira Gandhi has practiced something called electoral malpractice. And it is on this ground of electoral malpractice that Indira Gandhi should be disqualified from being a member of Lok Sabha. What is this electoral malpractice? Raj Narayan said, Government vehicles have been used by Indira Gandhi to ferry voters to the polling booth. Government civil servants or government employees have been used by Indira Gandhi to campaign in the Indian election. Corrupt practices has been employed by Indira Gandhi to win this election and to defeat Raj Narayan. When Allahabad High Court looked at all the evidences presented by Raj Narayan, Allahabad High Court said, yes, Indira Gandhi is guilty of electoral malpractice. She is disqualified. And Indira Gandhi became the first sitting Prime Minister of this country to be disqualified by Allahabad High Court. Later on, Indira Gandhi approached the Supreme Court. Supreme Court stayed, temporarily stayed, the verdict, the judgment of Allahabad High Court and Indira Gandhi continued as the Prime Minister. But Supreme Court said Indira Gandhi will continue as the Prime Minister, but she cannot vote in Lok Sabha. Imagine the Prime Minister of this country. Whenever there is a bill to be presented before the Lok Sabha, she cannot vote on that bill. That means she will continue as the Prime Minister, but she cannot vote in the Parliament. And then what happened? Emergency was imposed in this country by Indira Gandhi-led government. And during this period of emergency, massive changes were made to the Indian constitution. One such change was, one such change was 39th amendment to Indian constitution. This 39th amendment said that no challenge can be filed in the court regarding the election of the president, a vice president, speaker of the Lok Sabha, the prime minister of this country on the grounds of electoral malpractice. That means 39th Amendment said it was in response to this Raj Narayan judgment of Allahabad High Court. 39th Amendment said that no case can be filed in any court in this country against the President, Vice President, Speaker, Prime Minister on the grounds of electoral malpractice. That means once President, Vice President, Speaker, Prime Minister is elected, after that no case can be filed against them on the grounds of electoral malpractice. 41st Amendment. 41st Amendment said, no case, whether it is civil or criminal, because perhaps Indira Gandhi was told by legal advisors that, Madam, even if you are saved by this 39th Amendment, but after you cease to be the Prime Minister, after you are voted out of the power, there will be a criminal case filed against you. 41st Amendment was passed. This 41st Amendment said, no case, whether civil or criminal, can be filed against the president, against the governor, against the prime minister, even after they cease, even after they are removed from their office, even after they cease to hold these posts. That means even if you are a governor for a day, you enjoy complete immunity, no civil criminal case can be filed against you through your entire life. Now, what do you think? Both these amendments were challenged in the Supreme Court. 
Supreme Court said both these amendments, 39th and 41st, are unconstitutional. Why? Because they violate free and fair elections. And free and fair election is part of the basic structure of Indian constitution. That is the answer to your question. How has Keshavananda Bharti judgment saved India's democracy? Because if basic structure doctrine would not have been pronounced by the Supreme Court, then power of the parliament to amend the constitution would have been supreme. Parliament could have made any changes to the constitution, including these changes. That means if parliament has the power to make any changes to the constitution, both these changes would have been part of the constitution. What would have been the impact? India would have degenerated into a one-party rule or a totalitarian regime or a dictatorial regime. That means it is Keshavananda Bharti judgment which has saved India's democracy, which has preserved India's democracy. Even someone like Mr. Sirvai, who represented the Kerala government before the Supreme Court, even Mr. Sirvai later on said and accepted that indeed it is this Keshavananda Bharti judgment that saved India's democracy. So to recap, what have we understood as of now? What is amendment to the constitution? What is the need to amend the constitution of this country? What are the various Supreme Court rulings from 1951 to 1967 to 1973 regarding amendment of the constitution? And today's position is that power of the parliament to amend the constitution is supreme. But parliament does not have the power to alter the basic structure of the Indian constitution, to remove or delete the basic structure of Indian constitution. But now, let's look at the procedure. Let's look at how parliament can amend the constitution. Because parliament alone has the power to amend the constitution. This power is not given to the state legislatures. State legislatures in our federal polity, they do not have the power to amend the constitution. In fact, they cannot even recommend amendment to the constitution. That's a very important point that you need to understand from the examination point of view. Now, what is the procedure to amend the constitution? You need a bill. What is a bill? Bill is a proposal. The proposal is to amend the constitution of this country by adding a fundamental right, by adding a directive principle, by adding a fundamental duty, by adding another part to the constitution, by removing a part of the constitution. This is the bill. This bill is to be presented before the parliament. But who can introduce this bill? Only a government minister or a private member as well? Because if you look at the members of the parliament, broadly there are two types of members of the parliament. A government member and a private member. Who is a government member? Government member is a minister. Who is a private member? A non-minister is a private member. That means even a member belonging to a ruling party, if he is not a minister, he becomes a private member. Now this bill is to be presented before the parliament. Who can introduce this bill in the parliament? A government minister or a private member? Anybody. That means this constitutional amendment bill can be introduced in the parliament by a government minister or a private member, by any member of the parliament. But does this bill require previous sanction of the president? That means do you have to seek the permission of the president of India before you can table this bill on the floor of the parliament? No. That means a constitutional amendment bill. Please understand this flow very carefully because then you will not miss out on any question that is asked in the examination. This flow is very important. 
this constitutional amendment bill is to be introduced in the parliament. But who can introduce this bill? A private member or a government minister, any member of the parliament. But does this bill require previous permission of the president of India? No. So this bill can be introduced now in the parliament. But where? In Lok Sabha or Rajya Sabha? Because there are two chambers of Indian parliament, Lok Sabha and Rajya Sabha. This bill can be presented or introduced in either of the two houses. That means you want to introduce it in Rajya Sabha, you can do that. You want to introduce it in Lok Sabha, you can do that. That means a constitutional amendment bill shall be introduced in the parliament, whether Lok Sabha or Rajya Sabha, anything. Can be introduced by a private member or a government minister, anybody. And then, let's assume for a while, this constitutional amendment bill is introduced in Lok Sabha. In Lok Sabha, it should be passed by special majority. What is the special majority? Two-third of the members present and voting plus absolute majority. And this is something that we have discussed when we talked about majorities of Indian constitution. That means in Lok Sabha, it requires special majority. Then if this bill is passed by Lok Sabha, it will be sent to Rajya Sabha. In Rajya Sabha also, this bill requires special majority. If both Lok Sabha passes this bill by special majority, Rajya Sabha passes this bill by special majority, then it will be sent to the President of India for his signature. And once the President signs this constitutional amendment bill, this bill is passed, constitution stands amended. But let's assume for a while that Lok Sabha passes this bill, but Rajya Sabha could not pass this. Rajya Sabha rejected this, Rajya Sabha amended this, Rajya Sabha made many changes to this bill and these changes are not acceptable to Lok Sabha. What will happen in this case? Normally, there is a provision called Joint Session of Indian Parliament. That means on a particular bill, if there is a deadlock. What is a deadlock? One house agrees with a bill, another house does not agree with this bill. To resolve this deadlock, both Lok Sabha and Rajya Sabha they sit together in a joint session of Indian Parliament. And in this joint session of Indian Parliament, such a bill is passed. But this joint session of Indian Parliament does not apply to a constitutional amendment bill. That means this constitutional amendment bill shall have to be passed by a respective House of Indian Parliament. There is no provision for a joint session of Indian Parliament. That means if Lok Sabha passes this bill, Rajya Sabha rejects this bill, the bill is dead, this bill can never become a law. There is no concept of joint session of Indian Parliament. That is what is mentioned here. Introduction of the bill can be in either house of the Parliament. The bill can be introduced either by a minister or by a private member. The bill does not require prior permission of the President. And this is the provision that I'll explain to you slightly later. Now let's say this bill is passed by Lok Sabha as well, Rajya Sabha as well. This bill is sent to the President for a signature. But I'll tell you slightly later when we will discuss the powers of the President that he has a power called veto. He can say, I'm not signing this bill. Or he can say, I'll sign this bill but not now. He can delay the signing of this bill. Or he can simply not act on this bill. He can simply neither say I'm not signing this bill nor he will sign this bill. That means he will not act on this bill at all. But when a constitutional amendment bill is presented to the president, what are the options available with the president? President does not have an option. President shall have to give assent to a constitutional amendment bill. 
original constitution never talked about this. Original constitution never said that president is bound to sign a constitutional amendment bill. This provision was added to the constitution in the year 1971. 24th constitutional amendment act made it absolutely binding on the president that you have no other option but to sign a constitutional amendment bill. That means a bill to amend the constitution can be introduced by a private member or a minister in either Lok Sabha or Rajya Sabha does not require previous sanction of the president of India and this bill should be passed by special majority independently by both houses of the Indian parliament and once presented to the president the president shall give his assent to a constitutional amendment bill that means he cannot use his veto and once president signs this bill the bill becomes an act the constitution stands amended now let's look at the procedure to amend the constitution again if you look at your book Lakshmi Kant, it talks about that constitution can be amended in three ways by simple majority by special majority and third special majority but plus ratification by more than half of the states and I'll explain how let's take the first case by simple majority there are some changes that you can make to the Indian Constitution that means you are amending the Constitution but you can make these changes by simple majority how formation of new states you have to mention the name of this new state in schedule 1 and schedule 4 you can do that by simple majority legislative councils there are some states in India for example Andhra Pradesh Karnataka Uttar Pradesh Bihar Jammu and Kashmir where bicameral legislature is there we have legislative assembly as well as legislative council who has the power to create a legislative council who has the power to abolish a legislative council this power is given to the parliament but if you have to abolish a legislative council create a legislative council do that by simple majority similarly number of puny judges of the supreme court original constitution said in 1950 that there shall be a supreme court headed by chief justice of india and not more than seven judges today we have chief justice of india and 30 other judges these other judges are called puny judges if tomorrow the number of these other judges or puny judges is to be increased that means we have to mention in the constitution that there shall be a supreme court headed by chief justice of india and not more than 50 judges for example you can make this change by simple majority by passing a law by simple majority but technically this is not an amendment to the constitution because constitution says while making all these changes if you have to pass a bill this bill shall not be deemed as an amendment to the constitution that means you are making changes to the constitution but constitution itself says that these changes shall not be deemed as an amendment to the constitution that means to put it even more simply constitution can be amended only and only by special majority only by special majority nothing more nothing less but there are some features that you can change in the constitution by simple majority but these changes shall not be deemed as an amendment to the constitution we don't call them amendment because amendment can only be done by special majority there are still some changes that you can make to the constitution but we don't call them amendment to the constitution that means pass a bill by simple majority change some provisions of the constitution and these are 
some of these provisions, but the bulk of the constitution can be changed or amended by special majority. Change fundamental rights, special majority is required. Change directive principles of state policy, special majority is required. That means if we have to change the bulk, the majority of the Indian constitution, special majority is required. Then we have a third category. Ratification by one half of the state legislatures. That means if you have to make changes to the constitution, only parliament cannot effect these changes. Only parliament cannot pass a law and make these changes. These changes, if they affect federal features of the Indian constitution, any change to the Indian constitution, if it affects the federal relationship between the center and the state, such a change cannot be only made by the parliament. Yes, a bill to amend the federal relationship, to amend the federal provisions of the Indian constitution can be introduced only in the parliament. Parliament will pass this bill. But before this bill is sent to the president for his signature, this bill should be sent to the all state legislatures in this country. And only when more than half of the state legislatures approve this constitutional amendment, then you can send this bill to the president for his signature. But what are these federal features which if parliament wants to change, apart from special majority, parliament would require ratification by more than half of the states as well. What are these federal features? If you change the manner and the election of the president of India, you have to get the ratification of more than half of the states. If you have to change the extent of the executive power of the union or of a state, if you widen the scope of the executive power of the union, restrict the scope of the executive power of the state, you need ratification by more than half of the states as well. Provisions dealing with the Supreme Court and the High Court. If you change these features, you require ratification by more than half of the states as well. That is why when INJAC, National Judicial Appointments Commission, when this bill was passed by the parliament, it was sent to all the state legislatures only when more than half of the state legislatures approved NJAC. Then this bill was sent to the president for his signature because NJAC was altering the provisions of the Supreme Court and the High Courts. Similarly, distribution of the legislative powers between the union and the states. Representation of the states in the parliament. That means if you are to change schedule 4 of the Indian constitution. 7th schedule of the Indian constitution. If you change the definition of the article 368, if you make any change to the article 368 itself, you require ratification by more than half of the state legislatures. That is why when GST was introduced in this country, when GST bills were passed in the parliament, this GST bill was ratified by more than half of the states as well. Then only GST was implemented in this country because we changed some of the provisions in the seventh schedule when GST was introduced in this country. And in center state financial relations, we will explain GST in detail. But to summarize, Lakshmi Khan says that there are three ways of changing the constitution. One, by simple majority, two by special majority, three by special majority and ratification by more than half of the state legislatures. But I'm telling you technically, constitution can be amended only in two ways, by special majority and special majority plus ratification by half of the states. But now let's understand whether this amendment procedure of the constitution, whether this is flexible 
or whether the amendment procedure of the Indian constitution makes our constitution even more rigid. Because there are some things that you can change by simple majority. There are some things that you can change by special majority, which is slightly tougher to achieve. There are some things that you can change by a special majority plus ratification by the states, which is even tougher. Granville Austin says, the amending process, in fact, has proved itself as one of the most ably conceived aspects of the constitution. It is unique, unique anywhere in the world, such an amending process. Elkins, Ginsburg and Melton, they write in the endurance of national constitutions. They remark in this book that India's amending process strikes an optimal balance between flexibility and commitment. That means constitution should be committed to the people. If the people of this country want any change in the constitution, it should be realized. This change should be realized. D. Oliver and C. Fusaro write in the book How Constitutions Change, a comparative study of the various constitutions of the world. This statement is very beautiful. India's constitution is probably the most sophisticated one in establishing a great variety of procedures to adapt and change in arrangements based upon careful selection of different matters. Some matters can be changed by simple majority. Some matters can be changed by special majority. Federal matters can be changed only with the permission of the concerned states. And D. Oliver and C. Fosaro said, Indian Constitution's amending procedure talks about flexible rigidity. Now, this is like an oxymoron. Either you can be flexible or you can be rigid. But this beautiful term has been used by these constitutional experts and they refer to the amending powers and they refer to the amendment procedures of the Indian constitution as flexible rigidity. I promised you during the course of this lecture that I'll tell you, I'll give you the features of what is mentioned in the basic structure doctrine. When this doctrine of basic structure was propounded by the Supreme Court in 1973, Supreme Court did not elaborate what is this basic structure. Supreme Court said parliamentary democracy is part of the basic structure. Judicial review is part of the basic structure. Rule of law is part of the basic structure. And over a period of time, this list kept on expanding. That means in 1973 itself, Supreme Court did not elaborate what is this basic structure. This innovation in India's judiciary, it keeps on changing. That means this list keeps on expanding. Tomorrow, anything can be mentioned by the Supreme Court as being part of the basic structure. As of now, supremacy of the constitution is part of the basic structure. Rule of law, part of the basic structure. Objectives specified in the preamble, part of the basic structure. Balance between fundamental rights and directive principles, part of the basic structure. Parliamentary form of government, free and fair elections. Limitations upon the amending power conferred by Article 368. That means limitations on the power of the parliament to amend the constitution. Even that is basic structure. Independence of judiciary is part of the basic structure. And when Supreme Court struck down NJAC, Supreme Court said, independence of judiciary is part of the basic structure that we know. But this NJAC is snatching the power of the Chief Justice of India. Because Chief Justice of India should have the primacy in judicial appointments. And Jack is snatching the primacy of the Chief Justice of India in judicial appointments. 
And this primacy of Chief Justice of India in judicial appointments is also part of the basic structure of Indian Constitution. When we will discuss judiciary, I will explain to you what is this NJAC and how the judges are appointed in this country. But that is all that you need to know regarding this chapter, amendment to the Constitution, the doctrine of the basic structure, and we have critically analyzed the doctrine of basic structure, and we have come to a conclusion that this doctrine of basic structure has itself saved and preserved India's democracy. Otherwise, our country would have degenerated into a totalitarian regime, into a one-party rule, and that is antithetical to the very idea of democracy. That is it from this chapter, Amendment of the Constitution.